Hello and welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas. Um, before we begin, I just wanted to let you all know that Rational Wiki, which is the website where I get a lot of, well, all actually of my um, cognitive biases that I'm, I'm studying in this uh, podcast series, like literally in order, you can kind of follow through and know what's coming up. Anyway, they are doing a fundraiser. So um, if you want to know more about that and support the source of all my cognitive biases, um, you can go to rationalwiki.org and learn more. So, today we are going to talk about the halo effect, and that's a situation where we assume that someone who is attractive is also successful, popular, and lots of other good things. Um, it's kind of how celebrity endorsements work. You know, the uh, the halo from that celebrity kind of rubs off on the brand Well, If this person likes it, then it must be awesome. Um, it was coined by a guy named Edward Thorndike in a 1920 article called A Constant Error in Psychological Ratings. I'm going to read a little bit of that to you. Um, in a study made in 1915 of employees of two large industrial corporations, it appeared that the estimates of the same man in a number of different traits, such as intelligence, industry, technical skill, reliability, etc., etc., were very highly correlated and very evenly correlated. Ratings were apparently affected by a marked tendency to think of the person in general as rather good or rather inferior, and to color the judgments of the qualities by this general feeling. The same constant error towards suffusing ratings of special features with a halo belonging to the individual as a whole appeared in the ratings of officers made by their superiors in the army. So basically what he's saying here is that uh, people saw one trait and kind of let that trait color all of the other traits. So people who were either universally good or universally bad, depending on whatever that one key trait they focused in on was. And it was with these managers. It was also with um, officers evaluating the soldiers uh, beneath them. So they were evaluating things like physical qualities, like neatness, voice, physique, bearing, and energy, um, intellectual leadership skills, and personal qualities like uh, dependability and loyalty and responsibility, selflessness, cooperation. And these things correlated way more than they should, right? They should be a little more random. So, for example, uh, good physique correlated with a good leader, right, um, uh, was something like correlated like 0.39, and physique with intelligence was 0.31, and physique with character was 0.28, and those numbers are way too close to each other. It should be a little more distributed than that. You shouldn't like find those correlations happening that that, that consistently, um, or that that consistency. Um, so uh, there have been a lot of other studies on this. In 2003, Joel Wade and Christina DeMaria did a weight halo effects, individual differences in perceived life success as a function of women's race and weight, which I'm sure we could dig much deeper into. But the, the key takeaway there was just this notion that people were perceived as being more, who people were perceived as more attractive were more likely to also be thought of as trustworthy and friendly, right? Which, if you think about it for two seconds, there's absolutely no reason those things should be correlated. But to the people being interviewed, it just felt right. Um, there was a 1972 study um, where people who were thought to be attractive, people thought that they would in fact lead happier lives and have happier marriages and have more career success. So it isn't just what you believe about the person based on their attractiveness, but what you think about their future, right? It gets pretty crazy. So um, one like uh, side effect of that, though, is that they also thought that people who were uh, more attractive would be worse parents. <laughs> um, uh, than people who were of average attractiveness or people who were unattractive. Um, and we'll get a little into this later, but already you can start to see that there's a little bit of um, subjectiveness to all of the science because what is attractive? What do you consider attractive? How do you pick these things? But, um, but given that the person found this person attractive, they would also assume bad parent but going to have a great future. 
Um, there was a 1974 study where um, they basically had uh, these different pieces written uh, uh, written by people, and then instead of showing the actual author, they would just show a picture of an author, and that picture was deemed either attractive or unattractive. And again, um, if the picture attached to the piece was someone that considered attractive, they would actually evaluate the writing better than if they took the same piece and put in a photo of someone that they deemed unattractive. Uh, so we think people who are attractive are better writers, right? Or, or we evaluate the written word associated with an attractive face better than, than, uh, than not. Um, and in fact, unfortunately, this plays out in politics, right? So they had these like one second exposures of side-by-side photos of two U.S. congressional candidates and depending on which candidate the subject thought was more attractive, it was pretty good at predicting the election outcome, right? Which should be more than a little frightening, but also a little predictable, right? We all remember the story of how the first, you know, televised debates, you know, between um, Nixon and Kennedy, anyone who listened thought that Nixon won, anyone who was watching thought Kennedy won. And again, subjectivity aside, there's sort of a general parlance that Kennedy is more physically attractive than Nixon, and therefore uh, people were, uh, based on the halo effect, more likely to think he won. Um, And again, in that same kind of political study, there's this idea that attractiveness um, were correlated with competence. Well, if you're good looking, you must be good at your job, right? Which, of course, no, but that's how we are. Um, Also, in the judicial system, right? It always comes back to that, right? There's hardly a cognitive bias that doesn't end up playing out in how we uh, judge crimes. And yes, as you might imagine, the halo effect works out there where <sighs> when sentencing an attractive individual, judges might be more lenient, right, than, uh, than uh, with unattractive ones. Um, this is part of the reason that, like, you always see uh, defendants in a suit and tie, right? <laughs> or or some, something like, you know, they, they dress up, right? You want to look be, be as presentable as possible because it is, in fact... Um, affecting the outcome, even though it shouldn't. And um, I don't know if this is... Uh, uh, I've been meaning to look, look this up, but um, I've read somewhere before that the when the phrase justice is blind, like the root of that um, phrase comes from a time in Roman courts when they actually would have you know, juries, um, trials held in completely darkened rooms so that you could not, in fact, see the defendant. Um and as a result, you know, your judgments would not be at least influenced by what they looked like. You know, maybe what they sound like would, would come into play. But there was, like, one less, you know, arbitrary thing for you to suddenly, you know, dole out your judgment on. Because, oh, well, they look ugly. They're mu- therefore, they must have ugly souls, right? <laughs> um, they must have done it. Let's sentence them more harshly. Um, and yes, in fact, you know, there is, um, you know, evidence out there that jurors are less likely to believe that an attractive person is guilty. Um, so there's all sorts of unfair advantages you get if you are deemed attractive. Um, and again, uh, in, uh, performance evaluations on the job, this, this plays out as well. So if you have a particular, um, characteristic like, oh, I think this employee is really enthusiastic, then the rest of that evaluation can be colored by that so that other things like how hard they work or whatever, um, can also be amped up. And, you know, I, I wonder if this is simply like, we don't like complexity, right? We, we don't like uncertainty. We like sort of things that we can kind of color all with one color. And so if there's one good quality, we kind of want the other qualities to be good because that's just a simpler, cleaner story for our brains. So yeah, if I think you're really enthusiastic, then you know what? Uh, I think you're also a hard worker and all these other pieces as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amp them up. And job applicants too, right? So if someone comes in applying for a job, I think they're attractive. 
they're more likely to get the job. Like, that's just <laughs> the sad truth of, of how our brains work. Um, now, what happens, there's also a reverse halo effect. So, and this is an interesting subtlety, right? So, going back to, like, uh, court cases, um, they did a study where it was, you know, uh, someone was uh, um, a woman. And, yes, you know, have no doubt this is a very gendered um, cognitive bias as well. But uh, a woman was accused of burglary of, let's say, uh, $2,200. And then a woman was um, accused of a scam where she scammed someone out of $2,200. And in cases where, you know, the woman's attractiveness was in fact part of the tools for the crime, right? That the scam worked better because she was attractive. In other words, she was using her attractiveness for evil. If that criminal was deemed more attractive, then that actually worked against them, right? It made them seem more guilty. If they did, you know, they, they, they would be, um, uh, they would be punished more harshly, right? Um, so that's one area where it actually hurts to be attractive if people think you're using that attractiveness for ill gain. Whereas the same crime, right, for burglary, it didn't really matter if you're attractive or not. So you'd get, you know, in fact, it might help your case if you're attractive because your attractiveness did not play into how the crime played out, right? It did not Im impact, you know, how effective you were at, 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 uh, at the crime. Um, the, another, like, reverse halo effect thing is, in addition to thinking attractive people might make worse parents, um, they're also expected to be more vain and egotistical. Um, so that's one area where being attractive might work against you. Um, and, by the way, the name for the reverse effect, where if you are unattractive, we think you're a criminal, or we think there's something wrong for you, is called the horn effect. Now, one place you sort of start to see this a lot is in Disney films, where... And in addition to being gendered, this is also very, very racial. Um, even um, in, in general, in Disney films, the, uh, the, the, the hero is more attractive than the villain. And this isn't just Disney, but it plays out a lot in Disney. Um, the, the villain might be disfigured in some way. The villain might have just less attractive features. And the hero generally tends to be much more, you know, small nose and like just traditionally, you know, um, Western white attractiveness. Um, and where this gets weird is when you have Disney movies like Aladdin, where the entire cast, right, the entire, um, uh, all of the characters are, in fact, non-white, but the same sort of dynamic plays out where the, uh, the heroes have sort of smaller noses and kind of like, you know, and then the villains might have more hooked noses, and it's like all of these sort of weird, like, the heroes look whiter than the villains, <laughs> even though none of them are white. Like, and there's like colorism, which is another fun thing you can look up, where lighter-skinned, you know, uh, people within a particular racial group treat, are treated better than darker-skinned. Um, but uh, but that is another one of those weird halo effect things, where it's like even in like fiction and uh, fiction that is non-white, you still see this start to play out in a weird way, or is at least drawn that way. And there's a little bit of self-fulfilling prophecy there, too. If we think that people who are attractive are smarter, more competent, better, are going to have better lives, and we then treat them as such, then they do, in fact, you know, have better lives. They might not actually be smarter, but if they're treated like they're smarter, they're going to get the advantages of a smarter person, right? Like, all of these things start to play out, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where, because I think you're this, and I treat you like this, you sort of become this, or, or effectively the same as this. Um, so that's a problem. Um, uh, but again, the other thing I find sort of really interesting here, and I love to see kind of more, you know, objective, like, you know, a breakdown of this is... A lot of these experiments obviously rely on 
having some kind of standard for what is attractive. In order for me to say that people who other people find more attractive, uh, they also find to be this, this, and this, well, I have to, you know, determine that they find them attractive, right? And as I'm creating that study, I have to sort of come up with a set of, of um, pictures or, or composites that are attractive and come up with some kind of heuristic for that. Um, um, even if it's just, hey, do you find this person attractive? Great, let me ask you some other questions. But there's also... Where it gets really weird is some of these um, experiments are around, does an unattractive person evaluate an attractive person differently? And this is especially, this is where it gets really gendered, because they found that to some extent, not to a large extent, but to some extent, women might be hit by the halo effect when it comes to other women a little bit less, because they might feel threatened by that woman's attractiveness and not give them such a free pass for being attractive. And again, that gets like super sketchy and super gender biased. Um, and, and not surprisingly, those aren't like hard and fast results they've seen. It's a little bit, it's, it's, it's a little bit more murky, but even with that, right, you have to, if they're trying to control for, do unattractive women have less of a halo effect with attractive women because they feel threatened by them? At some point you have to have written down this subject was unattractive, <laughs> right? And how do you get to that objectively as a scientist, right? Like, so that feels weird too. So the halo effect has a, all kinds of like weird implications just for society at large, but it also has weird implications for like, how do you even study this? thing in a, a neutral, you know, um, objective manner. Um, anyway, some wonderful questions to ponder there. Um, but uh, long story short, um, uh, please don't assume that because someone is attractive that there's anything else good about them at all. Make, make them prove that shit. Um, anyway, that is all for this week. Um, we will see you. Uh, we're going to take a next week off, but then we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Uh, until then, I am David Dylan Thomas for the Cognitive Bias Podcast. We will see you next time. <laughs>